From the Bob Marley Studio in Orlando, Florida, you're listening to The Diz Unplugged. Hello and welcome to the Diz Unplugged Roundtable Discussion for July 9th, 2009. Something popped up on my screen and blocked my my script. From Orlando, Florida, I'm your host, Pete Warner. You said Roundtable Discussion. Email edition, Facebook to Facebook edition, whatever. (laughs) It is what it is. Uh, Joined at the table this week by my good friends, Kathy Whirling. Julie, Julie Martin. Martin. <laughs> what is going on? I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, it's early onset Alzheimer's. Uh, Corey Martin, Kevin Close, and John Magi. Um, and we're right in front of you. It's <laughs> it's like I'm looking at her going, What's her name? 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 <laughs> Not for nothing, the table's been changing every week, you know, whoever sits everywhere. But still, I mean, you know, come on. But... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, he's Just, only known me for like eight years. Yeah, really. It's, uh, you know, I'm still getting used to her. Um, we are doing something a little different this week. We were originally going to do a Facebook-to-Facebook segment uh, in the discussion show this week, but there were so many uh, responses to it on my Facebook page, that uh, over 100, uh, well over 100, that we decided to do it in place of an email show this week so that we could get to as many as possible. Uh, for those of you not familiar with Facebook to Facebook, this was a segment we uh, tried out a few weeks ago where you guys can go onto my Facebook page and ask questions of the of the team. Um, these are not really, we're not looking for questions, you know, how do I get the most out of my stay at Coronado Springs? That's, we do that in the email show. Facebook to Facebook is for you to ask questions of us, about us, what you want to know about the show. Uh, stuff that we don't normally uh, answer in emails or in you know our normal course of doing the show. So uh, you know, it got it. We got a great response to it when we did it a few weeks ago, and I was really blown away. I mean, I think you know there was it's probably about 150 responses to it on wow. my Facebook page. So yes, you have to friend me if you want to participate in Facebook to Facebook. <laughs> this is one of the ways I'm getting my friend count up. I'm over a thousand, about a thousand fifty. Don't ask me why that matters to me. <laughs> but um, so we have, like I said, we've got a lot of a lot of questions. I've selected some, um, thinking that we were going to do it in the discussion show, but we'll be able to choose some more. We're going to start off with our first one comes from Tanya Sayers, who asked the question, what type of books do you read in your spare time? I know Kevin's a big reader. What are you reading? Uh the people on the boards recommended this woman named Janet Ivanovich, and she writes. She's written a series of fifteen books about a female detective. Uh, I'm reading the first one. She's from New Jersey, and she is. I don't know what the name. I think it's One for the Money is the name of it. I read all sorts of stuff, mostly trash. <laughs> Tell me about that arc book you liked. I just I read a lot on the Kindle. I haven't been able to read for a while, and I got my Kindle. I registered it May twenty ninth, and I just realized I'm in the middle of my seventh book since wow, May twenty yeah. ninth. Yeah, I read a book uh, called The Ark by a man named Boyd Morrison, and it was available on Kindle. Kindle allows people to publish books on Kindle without a publisher, and he gave the books away. They were you didn't have to pay to download them, and I downloaded one of them. He had three of them. I'm really sorry now that I didn't download all three, 
but I just downloaded the one thinking I would be able to go back and get it. And I loved it. I read pages of it to John. It's about the search for... It's a fictionalized version of the search for the real Noah's Ark. And I went back to get his other books, and his books are gone. And I was reading on the Kindle discussions uh, that he has gotten a publishing contract, and his books were pulled. You're now going to have to pay full price for them like a regular book. He's going to have a book published in early 2010. Good for him. Yeah, I think it's great. He's the first person to use the Kindle in that way. Who else is a book reader? Julie, you like to read books. Yes, I do. Um, I don't have spare time anymore (laughs) to read a book. Um, The last books for pleasure that I read were the Twilight series. um, But I'm a big fan of historical fiction. Like, I love reading about Queen Victoria or any of the the Tudor family and things Mm -hmm. like that about their lives. It's it's normally, like, kind of romanticized, but still based in some truth. Um, I've also read some Down Syndrome books obviously to educate mm-hmm. myself but the best one i read was called gifts and it's a collection of not stories i don't, I don't want to say it's more like little excerpts from 64 different mothers lives they're anywhere from two to three pages long and they tell about their experience with having a child with ds um from pregnancy to you know even older children and even one mother talks about her struggle whether or not to have an abortion and in the end, she decided not to. That one, I cried the whole way through. Aww. I mean, it's an amazing book. Even if you don't know someone or have a child with DS, it, it's an amazing book to read. It just shows you how much they touch everyone's life. Mm. It's really, really good. Julie, talking about historical fiction, I read them earlier last year, but two of the best books I've ever read were Pillars of the Earth and World Without End by Ken Follett. It's about building a cathedral a church in england i literally mourned when those books were over and each one's about a thousand pages i loved them i read the first one and i couldn't believe it was over i couldn't believe it went so fast and i picked up the second one thinking all right it's the continuation of the story it's about the same place but 200 years later and i was sure i wasn't going to like these people as much because they weren't the same people as the book i had just finished and when that one was done it's almost like a mourning period i've since gone back and bought pillars of the earth again for the kindle i read it in um what's the book devil in the white city the devil in the white city i want to read that i've loaned it to you but you don't have a kindle (laughs) Uh, the one I'm reading right now, it's uh, just really starting to get into it. It's called The Lost City of Z, a tale of deadly obsession in the Amazon. Um, it's a story, it's a true story about uh, these, you know, adventurers looking for this, you know, legendary city in the Amazon. And, you know, like over a hundred different explorers have gone in looking for it. None of them have come back. That sounds good. And this guy, this... Uh, uh, this journalist decided, you know, he he heard about the story, um, and was just wanted to know what happened to them. So, he uh, uh, he he's he he went and he's written this book. So obviously he went and came back. I don't know what happens in the book. Like I said, I just started getting into it, but uh, you know what I've been doing. What I think the thing that Kindle has done for me is that you know I, I read Time. I, you know, I have a subscription to Time Magazine. I read that a lot. Um, I like to watch The Daily Show with John Stewart, um, and he always has authors on. Um, now, when I'm watching one of these things or reading something, read a book review in time or something, and if it sounds interesting to me, I just pull it up on the Kindle and buy it. And That's then I've I've got it's it's so it's right there. I don't have to go to Barnes and Noble. I don't have to go. It's 
it's I I bought so many more books. That's the only problem with the Kindle, because you hook it up to a credit card and it has what it calls one click purchase. Ooh. Oh yeah, it's brilliant. It's at two o'clock in the morning. I've gotten a couple of things at two o'clock in the morning with that one click purchase. The other the other things I read regularly on my Kindle are the New York Times and the Orlando Sentinel. I I won't. Uh, I won't buy newspapers because they just pay in the neck getting rid of them. And having the New York Times delivered right to this every day automatically, it's brilliant. I don't read the newspaper. I read my news online. And what I've been doing is I didn't subscribe to it on the Kindle. I've been buying editions uh, when I want one. Like I've bought a couple of um, Time and Newsweek magazines where I bought that issue. So I've been having fun with it that way. I, I get the um, the Kindle on my iPhone, mm-hmm. and I found it great for when you're waiting in line at Disney because I don't have a lot of time to read. But one of the books that I got is um, a book about a kitty cat. But this cat, <laughs> this it sounds Wait, it's, it's it's called Dewey, and the cat's I'm name. I'm reading Pillars of the Earth. I'm reading. <laughs> no, you have to read this. It's a really inspirational story. It's it's called Dewey. How the cat overcame alcoholism. <laughs> But he touched the world. He, this, how he learned how to do the library books. The, the cat's name is Dewey Read More Books. But he was somebody had dropped this cat in the book return at a library. And when the Aww. librarian took the cat out, it was like close to death. But like they, um, the cat became like the... <laughs> Paris is just on a roll over there. I'm sorry, Kathy. I'm listening, I swear. <laughs> well, it sort of ties because they were, like, how this cat helped people come out of their, like, shell that little children that had never spoken before. Oh, like a therapy pet. Yeah. yeah wow. And it was just, it's, you know, it sounds like, oh. Ferris could, doesn't like your book. <laughs> raspberries. It's, you know, you, you would think that, you know, like, when I first got it, I'm like, oh, I'm not sure I'm going to like this. But it was just a really nice story. But it's great for, you know, I can't tell you how many times I've, you know, been sitting somewhere and I have a few minutes, and I can read because I love to read books. And like I have, on the potty? No, I haven't tried that yet. But like <laughs> sitting in the parks, you know, like waiting for somebody to show up or do something, and you you can read the book. But I used to have bags of books at my house. Want to hear something really cool? If you had a Kindle, I'm not I'm not selling you a Kindle. But if you have a Kindle and you're reading a book, and you read to a certain part of the book, and stop, if you go to the, your Kindle app. On your iPhone, it picks up where you left it off. Oh, really? It yep. says oh, to you, "Do you want us to go to your last page read in your Kindle?" And you just say yes, and it takes you oh, to the spot a, you left off on the Kindle. Because I thought that was so cool on here that it went back. Because you know, I always like folded the corner of the the book over or stuck a bookmark in, and then you'd throw the book down or something. And the and I thought that was so cool that you could go back. To no, it, it does but, the same thing from your iPhone back to your Kindle. Wow. Yeah. If I didn't take my Kindle out with me one day and I was waiting for John for something and I was re- I read probably 10 pages of the book I was reading at the time. And when I went back to my Kindle, it said, you've read further. Do you want us to sync up to the, new, the where you left off? Oh, that's cool. It's really kind of cool. Cool. I don't read books for pleasure. I usually read like educational books. Like instructional books, you need to learn something. Yeah, unlike software or computers or anything like that. But because well, I find pleasure in doing that stuff, well, so. I like to do that stuff too. But you know, those are really the only books I read. Between times, yeah, embarrassingly enough, I haven't read a book and I can't tell you how long. Ferris and reads probably more than I do. <laughs> I bought John. I had read Angels and Demons, the Dan Brown book, and I bought John. We were going on a cruise. I think it was in 1981. And I bought him a hardcover copy of Angels and Demons. I think it went on every vacation with us for four years until they made a movie out of it. And he's only read the first chapter. 
He's really familiar with the first chapter of <laughs> Angels and Demons. Asleep. Well, <clears throat> like Corey, I think I read a lot of magazines, a lot of business magazines and stuff, and it's it's kind of gotten embarrassing because my reading attention span is sort of the length of the average bowel movement now. <laughs> That's as much as I can read and then I'm done. Wow, that was way more information than I needed. Well, Ferris likes The Hungry Caterpillar and The Belly Button Book. And then the we Hungry also... Caterpillar, is there Eric Carl? Yes. I love those books. That's a really good book. All right. Well, cool. Thank you for that, Tonya. I appreciate the uh, Tanya, excuse me. Um, our next one comes from Brenda Miller. We ask, who does the cooking in each of your homes, and what's your favorite meal? I do the cooking in my house, even though Corey is a really good cook, and I wish he would cook sometimes. Huh. <laughs> um, Noted. Corey can't read Noted. or cook. <laughs> I, my favorite thing to make is stuffed bell peppers, even though it's a little time-intensive. I love them. Um, Corey's favorite thing that I make probably would be his mom's recipe for shepherd's pie. Yeah. See, instead of cooking, I choose the restaurant. So, no. yeah, if She's it's like, Corey's night to cook, he's like, "Okay, where do you want me to go pick up food from?" <laughs> or where do you want to go? So. John, Kevin, Kevin does most of the cooking. Um, Kevin's really good at breakfast. He's got breakfast down pat. He's also become a master. Does at that mean lunch and dinner are not good? No, no. It just means that breakfast has become like an art form. An art form for him. But and I don't use a recipe. I don't have recipes. I use what's in. I, I cook from what I have. And John always makes the joke: if you put good stuff in, good stuff comes out. Right. So yeah. the other thing he's become a master of is soups. He has some soups that are just to die for. Really, I've been practicing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Walter and I live separately, um, and uh, so. But when we did live together, uh, I did the. I did most of the cooking, uh, and you know, for me. You know, I'm a I'm a decent cook. I'm not going to say I'm a great cook. I'm decent. Uh, my Italian stuff is, you know, my best. Especially my stuffed shells. My stuffed shells are really fantastic. I just made stuffed shells because Katie wanted that. So we'll have to have a cook off sometime. Oh, you'll lose. Oh. <laughs> you'll lose. My stuffed shells are you. I've got my my special way of making them that I don't tell anybody and. Mm. It's the way he stuffs them. I don't even attempt, I don't even attempt <laughs> cook Italian at our house. My mom makes a pasta sauce that'd make you cry. No, I make the sauce that you know my you know that I grew up with. You know, same way my parents made it. Not very elaborate, but it's really good. Especially it's been allowed to sit for a day. Um, but uh, Kathy, what's your? Uh, I guess you do the cooking in the house. Usually I do most of the cooking, but Katie was a culinary student. So, oh, that's right. That's so right. So every now and then she'll, you know, grace me with one of her meals, and you're like, you know, you really should have done that. But that doesn't happen very often. And our favorite is a meal my mother always used to make, which was noodles with bacon and eggs. Sounds really weird. But it does you, sound weird. You take your leftover, like, spaghetti noodles or any kind of noodles that you have, and first you fry up some bacon, and then you put the, you know, like, drain most of the grease off and put the noodles in and then like scramble some eggs and throw that in and just have it cooked together and you know it's different sounds, really, sounds kind of like pasta carbonara yeah it is but like growing up we thought that was a big deal when my mother made it and then my mother taught all of us how to make it and then she taught grandkids how to make it so like if you want that good 
you know, down home, stick to your ribs kind of meal. That's the family favorite. I've been doing a lot of stuff in the oven. I've been roasting a lot of sc- stuff. I've been, I watch the Food Network all the time, and one of my favorites is the Barefoot Contessa. Mm-hmm. And she says if you roast vegetables, they have a different flavor. They do. And I have been roasting everything. Anything I can put in the oven goes in the oven now. I do a lot on the grill, too, with veggies. My problem is you have to clean the grill. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. I like to oven fry things. I've oven fried like little thin pork loin chops, um, oven fried like thinly sliced chicken breasts. What you do is you put it in like an egg wash mm-hmm. with some pepper and milk, and then I cover it in Italian breadcrumbs, and I melt a little butter in the bottom of the pan. Ten minutes on each side. Ooh, that Ask good. Corey. He likes it. <laughs> Corey, do you like it? I love it. <laughs> I was told to ask I'm, you. I'm occupied right now with Ferris. So, so. I'll have to have a Diz cookbook. I, wouldn't that be cool? Mm-hmm. Yeah, really. <laughs> if we do that, does Kathy get to pick from the prize matron? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, giving her a, I'm giving her one of my MacBook Pros. That's her prize matron prize. That's a good prize. We that really works. are noisy today. <laughs> really yeah, are. Yeah, it's a noisy group today. Well, it was feeding time, so. No, I'm not talking about him. Um. I'm talking about these guys. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, thank you for that, Brenda. We appreciate the question. Uh, next is from Nicole Mancini, who asks... We're not allowed to talk about her. Why? Because we're not we're not supposed to mention her on the podcast. Really? <laughs> it's just an ongoing thing. Okay, please, thing. just give me more edits. Just, yeah. No, it's okay. That's okay. You can leave that in. This, okay. this is Nikki right, well, Bell this on is the from, This is from Nicole Mancini, who asks, How has doing the podcast each week changed your relationship? And brought you all closer with one another. And the other question is harder: zebra dome from Boma or school bread from Norway? I've never had either. Never had either either. I've had both, <laughs> and I'd much rather have a donut from Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. think either one of them or anything to write home yeah, about. School bread was a big disappointment to me. It's a donut. It wasn't even a very good donut. Right. Well, as far as your question about how the podcast has changed the, our relationship. Um, I, I de- it's definitely brought us all closer. There's no question. Yeah, like about five it. feet closer. Mm-hmm. Where you know we we never uh, we didn't we didn't get together face to face on a regular basis prior to doing the show, and I think it's definitely made us a more cohesive team. Um, it's definitely upped our game in terms of what we know about what's going on because we've had to pay a lot more attention to things happening. Um, and we sing Kumbaya when we're done? No, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> Kathy does by herself with her hands raised, waving back and forth. But uh, there's no question. I mean, I think it's had the show's had a tremendous impact mm-hmm. on our individual relationships with each other. It's had a tremendous impact on uh, the site uh, in terms of our content and uh, upping our game with that. And It's like a weekly staff meeting. I was going to say, I'm sure most people know this, but we all work from home. <laughs> we all work from our individual homes, our individual offices, and sometimes it's easy to get disconnected. And sometimes it's nice to just to come in and I see Corey, and Corey's working on something, and we're throwing ideas back and forth. Right. Things like that. A lot of things get done right yeah. before, before, in the middle of, and after uh, the show. And um, Julie and I talk about TV. Yes, we do. <laughs> So thank you for that, Nicole. I appreciate the question. Uh, this is an interesting question from Rebecca Windhorst asking, what is one thing about you that we would be surprised to know? And this is to each member of the podcast. I used to be a jockey. <laughs> like on a horse? No. <laughs> <laughs> Could you believe that? I, got a I had to, to say that. 
That's a good question. It is. I'm trying to think. <laughs> Kevin and Seabiscuit. <laughs> Kevin ate Seabiscuit. Exactly. <laughs> I enjoy every food there is except Sloppy Joe's. Yeah. I can't do Sloppy Joe's. I was ruined in grammar school. But what kind of Sloppy Joe's? Cause see, I don't care even the word. Really? Yeah. Don't say it again. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that way about grapefruit. Yeah. I don't even want you eating it. This goes back to high school, but I mean, I wasn't a bad kid. I was. My parents didn't know that I did certain things. You know, they always thought I was just an angel. And me and my two best girlfriends, we used to go sneak to the river at night, and we would go jump off the cliff naked. And we would swim naked. <laughs> mm, she lived in a different planet than I do. I love the country girls. <laughs> I mean, no one else was around. It was just the three of us. Except the 300 pedophiles with the binoculars in the bushes. <laughs> I think people would be... movie once. I think people will freak out when they hear that. I don't think we'll think of me as like that kind of a person. Kathy, did you get naked and jump off clips? <laughs> no, I never did anything like that. I threw... Um, dog biscuits to people does that count for anything Explain. when i lived over when i lived over in africa we our house was up on top of a hill okay that right there is a how do you be that and we thought we thought we were helping the natives out and we were throwing dog biscuits down too. oh no and there was a big crowd of people down there getting them and and as kids we were really excited that we were doing this until you know we grew up or my parents reminded us that you know, people don't eat dog biscuits. Mm, very true. When I lived in Africa, I can't beat that. <laughs> oh, no. That was always good for school reports because nobody else could say that. And we didn't have cliffs in upstate New York that you could jump off. <laughs> what about you, John? I'm t- sitting here racking my brain. I can't think of anything that would... I think you, were, you were quite the little actor in grammar school, weren't you? I guess I was. There was a. I remember you showing me a news clipping of you doing a play and I getting was, a good write-up. I was forced into that whole forced socialization thing as a kid. <laughs> even so, then? Even then. So my parents made me do the whole, you're going to go do community theater type of thing. So I did community theater as a kid. So I've taken over for your parents? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> you're my forced socialization now. Did you enjoy it? I, you know, I, I, I guess I have a mental block against it. I don't remember it. Hmm. But there were clippings where I won awards and stuff, and that is interesting. Yeah, and trophies and things. I just don't remember. You it won now. an acting trophy. I did. I got best actor one year. And he, had, you, he got an Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> and did you go? You like me. You really like me. I probably said, but I probably didn't show up to the show where they gave you the awards. <laughs> or the, the thing where they gave you the awards. I probably hated everybody. <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember any of it. Eight years old, antisocial personality disorder. <laughs> I was the Marlon Brando <laughs> yeah, really? of the community theater. I want to be alone. I'm not going. I taped something and sent you it said, You said Sacagawea to pick up your award. They're not old enough to know no, what no, you're talking about. No, I remember Marlon, that. Marlon Brando when he won, when he won the, the Oscar for the God. <laughs> Won the Oscar for The Godfather. Her name he sent Sachin uh, Littlefeather. Whatever. And I don't know why I know that. He sent. Uh, he he didn't show up. He sent this Native American woman to accept to de- to decline the award be- because of the way the Native Americans were treated 
Uh, this was back in the 70s. Yeah, and he went on for quite a while. I mean, she went on for quite a while. <laughs> That's one of the funniest things I've ever heard in a long time. <laughs> How has this changed our relationship? We make each other laugh a lot more. Yeah, we really do. We really do. I think the thing people would be probably surprised to know about me is that when I was... 16, between the ages of 16 and 19, I was uh, heavily involved in the anti-drunk driving movement. It was very big in the 80s and got to a point where I traveled the country doing debates and lectures as a recovering teenage alcoholic, which in those days was unheard of. Oh, wow. And uh, got a chance eventually to, uh, was on Nightline with Ted Koppel, uh, did a debate with a college student in Texas on the uh, raising of the drinking age of 21. I was in favor of it. He was opposed. And it culminated with a private meeting with seven other people, me and President Reagan. I was supposed to go meet President Reagan at the Rose Garden, and he got sick. I have the telegram. I have the whole... Well, we got a whole thing. He talked about how his father was an alcoholic and how oh, he, wow. you know, uh, he grew up with that. And, you know, it was... I'll tell you, meeting the man, you know, his politics never impressed me, but... Uh, you know, meeting him was, I mean, when he walked into a room, I mean, that, that man had a presence. Wow. And that, you know, this is, he's, well, he was in his 70s at this point. That man shook your hand, you wanted to drop to your knees because he had this handshake that could, like, crush you. I mean, it was, it's a strong guy. And, uh, you and know. so his wife's dress. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I think that would probably be the thing that would surprise people the most. Um, but, uh, yeah, that was in a previous life. Good for you. So, anything else? Anybody else have anything surprising? But you, Kevin. Yeah, Kevin. I don't like grapefruit. <laughs> it's a surprise. Wow, that'll be all over the boards. <laughs> um, what's surprising? I'm trying to think of something for you, and I can't. I'm pretty honest. I'm pretty open. Yeah. I. There's not a lot of hidden stuff. I just tell people. He's like, I just tell people. <laughs> um... Okay, I used to be really shy. I used to be very, very shy. And in 10th grade, I made two friends. And one was a young girl. Um, she was in 10th grade, too. I was <laughs> and she... I used to be very cons uh, very conscientious about my weight. I think anybody who's an overweight kid is very conscientious about their weight. And I used to dress to camouflage that. And I met a girl named Robin who... I thought was just beautiful and she wouldn't go swimming either and I found out why she had had a huge tumor at one point in um, in her groin and had these huge scars down her legs and I made another friend he was my best friend through all of high school and college his name was Michael his name still is Michael and where I was six foot five and fat Michael was six foot five and weighed 125 pounds. Oh, Lord. And he used, to, I found out one day, he used to wear three sets of clothing and to try and make himself look bigger. And I used to wear clothes that tried to, I tried to make myself look smaller. And I realized in 10th grade that we're all trying to camouflage something. Yeah. And the three of us went and joined the drama club. We were all very shy and hung out together, and we joined the drama club, and we're in the play. And I sang in tenth grade. Really, I was in the uh, uh, the play Oliver. 
I was Mr. Bumble, and I had to sing a song called Boy for Sale. Um, <laughs> <laughs> foreshadowing. Yeah, really. <laughs> but it was... It was a real eye-opening experience that I realized that everybody's kind of trying to hide something. And I realized that I could walk around being shy and quiet and not talking to people, or I could just live with what I would do, live with who I was. And that's when I became not shy. <laughs> so, there you go. Cool. I wanted to live in a tree like Swiss Family Robinson. And me and my best girlfriend, I think we were in like second or third grade, and there was this spot in town that we had scoped out where we thought, seriously, that we would go and build like this huge tree house and we would live there. And that no one would care. We could leave home and we would just live there. That's cool. <laughs> and then they would jump naked out of the tree. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for that, Rebecca. We appreciate uh, oh, Kathy, did you answer? Yeah, she was in Africa throwing biscuits. Oh, that's biscuits. right, Africa <laughs> throwing biscuits. That's right. <laughs> throwing biscuits. She's the biscuit thrower. <laughs> biscuit throwing, Kathy. No uh, bones. <laughs> it gets more and more offensive every time she really? gives us more information. It was they done with milk the best. in Africa? Yeah, you went to the commissary on base. Huh. Trust me, it was done with the best of intentions. They were powdered milk bones. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Rebecca, for the question. Our next a uh, question comes from Amy Eckhart, who asks, besides the podcast, what is everyone's official job title and job responsibilities within the company? And uh, that's a loaded so question. What time um, is it? Um, you know, everybody wears, everybody wears multiple hats, uh, really. We've got, you know, between, uh, even though they're technically separate companies, uh, between Dreams, uh, the Diz, and the Boards, uh, there's a lot of roles to be filled, and we are a small business, so we don't, you know, we could get away with, we could probably stand to have 50 people on, on payroll if we could afford it, but, um, you know, these guys do the job of 50 people. Um, John? Uh, my official title is President of Dreams Unlimited Travel. Woohoo! <laughs> Big deal. <laughs> um Again, you know, a wide variety of jobs. I do everything from uh, negotiating contracts and taking care of the billing and payroll and all the the stuff associated with keeping the company running uh, from a technical standpoint to coding and doing code work on the on the site and changing pages to actually processing reservations and dealing with customers and on a one on one basis. So. Anything you need for the moment, that's what I can do. And that's what I generally do. Kevin? I guess I would... What would you say? I'm a customer service? Well, you're the agent manager. And I deal with clients a lot. I, do, I, yep. I deal with the clients who are having difficulties with their reservation or with anything. For all intents and purposes. And even sort of day-to-day -day stuff Kevin will do. Just He monitors an account where people will just say, I need something changed on my reservation, or I need to cancel, or I need to rebook, or, you know, anything like that. You do a lot. Kevin does a lot of, um, he's really good at being on the boards and sort of being the face of the podcast on the boards. Oh, yeah. He yeah. really gets in there and gets into the community that way, which is great, because I wouldn't do it. As a, <laughs> as a matter of fact, while we're speaking... Um, I joked about Nikki Bell before. Nikki is just somebody who I've decided that it's fun to tease. 
Oh, okay. And I've told her that we weren't ever going to mention her on the podcast, and she wanted to know on the boards right now if we talked about her during the discussion show, and I told her, believe it or not, we didn't. And then we had a, a Facebook question from her, so I had just posted that, geez, we just talked about Nikki Bell. <laughs> Corey? Nothing. Don't do anything. <laughs> Corey's just always <laughs> suspected. Um, God, like... I call him the one-man band. Everything from, you know, designs to, you know, marketing things to, you know... Well, Corey's, in, you know, Corey's, Corey's in charge of day-to-day operations of the DIS, of www.info.com. And so, you know, design, making sure the content stays updated, um, you know, working with our advertisers, and, yeah, there's a... SEO? Yeah, Search right. engine optimization, yep. Corey's really good at that. And that also spills over into Dreams. He does yep, that for does Dreams, that for dreams as well. And, you know, I also do a little bit of the coding side, too. Um, try to keep us up to date, like with the social networking side. Uh, yeah. You know, brought this onto Facebook and trying to do the whole Twitter thing. And if it's current and it's out there and it's like the buzzword, I try to see if, if you know, we can fit into it. It's I'm all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> but it's fun. It's fun. It's instant gratification. You know. Now, Teresa and Walter aren't here, but uh, Teresa and Walter both work uh, our Dreams Res product, which is uh, our off, all of our off-property hotels. Whenever you book an off-property hotel with Dreams, it's being handled by either Walter or Teresa. Mrs. Martin? My business card says contributing editor. <laughs> Um, I would say the podcast is my main job. Yeah. You know, making sure that I'm doing segments, getting up-to-date content for that. And I do award all the prizes, which can sometimes track. be a headache. She keeps I track do, of all that stuff. I had to make a Word document with all the people's names and whether or not they've been awarded. And, you know, because people contact me, they're like, oh, can I do it this day? And I'm like, well, you tell me when you can do it, you know, and then I'll find out. But um, it's fun. I like being in contact with people. Um I haven't been as active on the board since he came along. Yeah. Well, it's a handful. <laughs> but um, I get on there every once in a while. If there's anything that pertains to me, I try to answer or get to that. I also deal with the tickets, and Julie will help me sometimes. If I'm really slammed, she'll, you know. And I answer. I do answer questions yeah, she'll help to that account that. because I've kind of, you know, I've learned a lot from him. Right. So I'm able to, and that helps his day-to-day where people are like, oh, how can I go to Disneyland, and how much does it cost? And can you tell me this and that? And I'm like people (laughs) (laughs) so i respond very nicely i give them all the links and all the information that they could possibly need to dreams or to the planning side of the the diz you know and i'm like here you go this is how you do it if you need an agent to help you this is how you do it (laughs) so mrs whirling i'm a dreams travel agent i do the podcast i do the blogs i do some of the updates on the website um, try to post a lot on Facebook to keep everybody like interested as to what we're all doing. Um, post on the the Diz. She's just, just trying to make everybody jealous. I'm just you know I, I like knowing what people are up to yeah. and what what they're thinking. So I'm I'm trying to be on all the sites. And if I'm out in the park, I'll put a picture up on Facebook and they can guess where I'm at. You know, I do it to keep everybody involved, not to torture you. <laughs> <laughs> Kathy has a following on the board now. Kathy's peeps. She has her peeps. Yep. I put I a call that. out last week. Yep. My peeps are coming coming through for me. Thank there you. you. Go. Uh, my job is, uh, you know, basically, uh, you know, my technical title is CEO of... Overlord. 
<laughs> God of Hellfire. Um, you know, CEO of Dreams and uh, the owner of the Diz and the boards. Uh, my job is basically to uh, keep things moving forward. You know, what's next? Um, these guys are charged an awful lot of the time with, you know, I come up with an idea of something I want to do and a direction I want to move in. And then, you know, I look to my team to take care of the details that make that happen because when I get involved in the details, it things seem to go terribly awry. He's like the pharaoh. <laughs> make it so. <laughs> make it so. Um, but, you know, so, yeah, I, I have to think about, you know, what we're doing next year. What's, you know, what what things are going to help us, you know, with the business in terms of growing the business and keeping everybody, you know, keeping everybody employed, especially in a, a year like this where the travel industry has fallen apart in so many sectors. And knock wood, we have been very blessed. We have been very, very blessed. And, uh, you know, I haven't had to lay anybody off. Uh, and, uh, you know, we by, by February or March of any given year, we, you know, Corey and I start talking about what we're doing next year and what sorts of things we need to put in place, what things we need to work on this year to help drive things next year. And um, So I'm always thinking a year, two years, five years ahead. Um, and, of course, you know, doing the show. The show is, uh, you know, I, do, I, I produce the show, basically, in terms of setting it up and editing it and figuring out where that goes and what role this plays in everything. And my head's always going. My head's always going and trying to figure out, like I said, what's next. So, I mean, it really has come together as a, uh, you know, somehow it works. Somehow we managed to get this done. Because um, if you stop and take a look at what's involved on the boards, what's involved, because people have no concept what the work effort involved on the discussion boards alone by itself is full-time. It could be a full-time job for a number of people. Um, and, you know, there we rely so heavily on volunteers. Uh, our webmasters are volunteers, our moderators are volunteers, and these people take an awful lot of crap from an awful lot of selfish, self-entitled people on the boards, and they do it for the love, their, you know, their passion of Disney and wanting to be involved in something they love in the boards. Um, so, you know, it, uh, it takes a lot of people to make it, make it work, and... Uh, it takes a village. It takes a village. <laughs> So Pete is also uh, really good for. Uh, we deal a lot with scaring Disney. the hell out of people. I'm trying to find a nice way of saying something along those lines. We deal a lot with Disney because that's our jobs and that's what we have to do. And Disney is infuriating at times. And I'll do my best to finesse them and work within the system and try to get things done within the scope of things. And sometimes you just need Pete to come along. And, and start knocking heads together. Good cop, bad cop. Yeah. But even beyond that, just to sort of sort of get bring them down to earth and say, listen, here's what's going on. Yeah. Stop messing around. They're rigs in Murtaugh. Well, I, I don't have, uh, when it comes to a lot of things, I don't have diplomacy or nuance skills at all. I just, it's not a strong suit for me. I can when I really, really, really want to. The thing is, I don't want to. It's I find it maddening. I find that when I'm direct, and sometimes, you know, I, I'm direct with a flare. Let's put it that way. Um, you know, it's 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 effective, and it does get it does get the job done. Um, you know, when we started this, when we started the Diz, um, there weren't an awful lot of sites out there doing what we were doing. Um, when we started the discussion boards, there was nobody. The only thing that was out there was uh, um, the uh, internet news group, uh, Records Disney Parks, Rad P. 
um, Dreams Unlimited, when we started Dreams Unlimited, there was one other travel agency online that specialized in Disney, but they didn't do the itineraries, they didn't do the priority seatings, they didn't do the discount checking, all the things. That was part of the business model I created for Dreams. Nobody was doing that. And when you're the first one or among the first out doing something, um, you've got to really, you've got to push your way through. And I wanted to see my business succeed. So, yeah, I, I developed this personality, I guess, because I wasn't like that really, you know, before the business started. I wasn't that, you know, intense. You know, I worked at UPS and I wasn't like that at UPS. But, uh, you know, I think with the business, it just became a necessity that, you know what, enough of this nonsense, enough of your politics and your bull. Let's get this done. There's a job here to get done. Let's get it done. So, well, thank you very much for that, uh, Anne. That was an interesting conversation. Um, I have one that's directed to me and Julie. Yeah, it's uh, from Melissa Cole. She said, "How did you how did you choose the name Ferris?" Um, she gets asked that a lot with her daughter's name, and she just wants to hear our choice behind it. You know, we've been asked this a lot, and believe it or not, we chose it from Ferris Bueller's Day Off, not from a Ferris wheel, even though it's spelled like that, but. We chose it from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. It's one of our favorite movies. And we had this name before we knew he was a boy. Um, we said, if it's a boy, this is his name. We could never think of a girl's name or agree on one. So it's a good thing he was a boy. We might still be debating over that. <laughs> Plus, we didn't know anybody with that name. <gasps> Interesting yeah. side note. I watched it the day before I went in labor. Sunday night I watched it. Monday morning woke up and had him. <laughs> That's funny. All right, our next one comes from Nathan Gale, um, who asks a couple of questions. Uh, this place has really gr grown in popularity, as far as I can tell. Where do you see the site in five years? I faced a huge life change over the past six months and trying to work toward going back to school to become a graphic designer. My impressions are that you are all doing what you absolutely love and was wondering if you had any advice for someone on the precipice of trying to do the same. Well, I can tell you, you know, this is doing this, you know, turning this into a, 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 a paying job um, was probably the best thing I've ever done in my life, um, being able to uh, do what we do for a living. Um, while it certainly has its challenges, it really has its perks. And, uh, but when we, you know, when I started this, we, you know, I, John, maybe John felt differently, but I wasn't thinking so much about money as I was, that wasn't what motivated me. It wasn't, I wasn't motivated by, oh, I want to see how much money I can make. I was motivated by how cool it was to be able to do this. Um, it was creative. It was fun. It was challenging, you know, and especially for the first couple of years, believe me, there was not a lot of money. And uh, there were times where I, you know, had asked myself whether or not this was worth it. But, you know, anybody trying to pursue a passion, Pursue the passion, not the money. The money comes. If you follow your passion and you're good at what you do, the money comes. I, I, that's the best advice I could give anybody. Because when you're, when you're follow, doing something you love and you're following your passion, it's, uh, it's not work. It's not work. Believe me, there are days this is definitely work. But there are far more days where it's not. In my, for me. For me. I don't know how the rest of you feel. But you also have to take a risk. You know, when... Uh like when I finished college, we just picked up everything and moved to Orlando. Didn't know a soul. 
Um, didn't really know where it was going to lead us, but I had an idea of what I wanted to do. And so you do have to take a risk to, to a, follow actually, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because, yeah, taking the risk. Because John and I took a massive risk starting this. Um, it was easier then because you didn't have as much to lose. Uh, the problem for a lot of businesses and a lot of professionals, the people that go, entrepreneurs that go into their own business, is they take a lot of risks up front, which makes them successful. But then as they get success, they become a lot more conservative. And they don't take the risks, and then the business doesn't grow. That's been one of the things that's been my biggest challenge, is being willing to take risks, take the kind of risks necessary to grow my business, but at the same time not gamble with everybody's you know, paychecks. And so when I look to go into a new project, I've got to ask myself, okay, how much, how much am I willing to lose? It's like when I go to, to, to Vegas. I go out and gamble with what I can afford to lose. You know, I don't go out and gamble with the, with, the, with the mortgage money. I have a little different approach. I didn't I, – I took a risk moving from New York to Florida. I didn't know anybody either. But I, I think you also have to make yourself open to the possibilities. You have to sort of be aware that when the possibilities are there to sort of take the step forward – I didn't search this out. As a matter of fact, I've told John, I didn't know you even all existed before I met him. I didn't know the Diz existed. I didn't have a reason to talk to other people about it on the Internet. I lived here. When I wanted to go to Disney, I didn't have to talk to people about it. I had made my dream of living near Disney a reality. So I would just get in the car and go. This has been a real change for me, but it's, again, open yourself to the possibilities. And you talk about following the stuff you love. I did that, but I didn't ever expect it to make me money. Right. I just did it because I... You never I, do. I mean, it's, yeah. <clears throat> I, I've, told, I've said this before. I never expected this geekiness to be valuable to anybody but me. No. So you just have to Low open yourself... <laughs> yeah. You have to open yourself up to that. You have to put yourself out there. Yeah, I would say, I, I was telling Pete this the other day, don't be afraid of change. I was the type of person that bought the same pair of shoes, you know, three times yeah. because I liked what it was. And when my husband died very suddenly, change was thrust upon me, and I I had a choice to make. And one of the things that I had always wanted to do was go to college because I grew up in a time where, you know, you got married and you had kids. And I always wanted to be a librarian. And people talked me out of it well when my husband died i decided now's as good a time as any to go to college so i went to college at the age of 42 wow. with three children that i worked full-time and went to school and i can remember one day my daughter going geez mom you just don't understand pressure i'm in, <laughs> I'm in college and i had a job i was traveling around the united states working full-time and going to school full-time and still manage to raise my children and be on the honor roll and graduate from college. So don't feel like you're ever too old to do something or change isn't a good thing. And moving to Florida, people thought I was crazy, but that was probably one of the best things I ever did was moving to Florida. So go for it. I have an aunt who's doing the same thing. She lost a daughter, though. My aunt that lost her 12-year-old to the horse accident. Yeah. She had been going back to college and got her associate's degree. That was all she was going to do. And after Brianne died, she became a basketball coach, and she is now finishing with her bachelor's degree, and she's wow. going to be a teacher. That's neat. And, you know, change is thrust upon you, mm -hmm. like you said, and that really, you know, obviously to keep her mind off things and to keep herself going, but 
um, she's a perfect example of that too. But you also have to take into account the bravery that goes along with what yeah. you're both talking oh, about. Oh yeah, both of what the pe- Kathy and the person you're talking about—that's very brave what you did. Very courageous. Uh, now, so. see, I don't think of it that way. I had three kids, and and from like Apollo 13, failure is not an option. Mm-hmm. I had three kids that were counting on me, and there were many days that. I didn't feel very inspired to do much of anything, and all I had to do is look at my kids and went, I don't have a choice here. But you can see from the outside that I see it as a... Yeah. Right. I see it as very brave. Well, thank you. Agreed. Agreed. (laughs) Paint your face blue. (laughs) All right. Where do you see the site in five years? Where do I see the site in five years? You know, I've learned to... uh, Paris. I've learned to not... (laughs) I've learned to not speculate about that, um, because... uh, I this is kind of just this is hard to hard to put into words but um, the site has consistently exceeded my expectations in every regard Um, none of this was ever expected none of it there was never I never thought in a million years anything like this would happen and even after we started having success and, and the site became popular and we got a lot of traffic and the business became successful um, even after all that stuff had happened and was happening, um, it still continued to exceed my expectations. And I'm afraid to ever say to myself, okay, in five years, this is where I want to be because I find my imagination too limited. I find that, you know, this has already exceeded my wildest dreams. So how do you, you know, how do you imagine beyond that? It's tough for me. I, you know, maybe I'm, you know, slightly damaged, but I have trouble imagining uh i'm afraid that if i if i set a goal even if i think it's it's too lofty that it's uh uh, it's too limiting so the thing that we've always done with this is we we followed the river wherever it flowed um i've uh, one thing i'll give myself well i'm i'm certainly have challenges in many areas one thing i think that i i definitely do well is that i'm not married to one idea um, I'm willing to see what's going on and where the wind's blowing. And if it makes sense, let's go. Let's do it. Um, my idea isn't necessarily the only one. It certainly isn't the best one all the time. And trying to listen to what other people's ideas are. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I do. I think I do more than I don't. And I give people a lot of freedom to, you know, make their own decisions and come up with ideas. And that's what made made the site what it is is that there's been a lot of con- contributions a lot of creative contributions and not just for me and i think by doing that and by being willing to kind of let it go where it goes um that's what's made it what it is so i don't um you know i <clears throat> i'll uh, you know i'll say to myself okay in five years these are some of the business things i want to accomplish um, but that's the utilita- utilitarian side of the equation. <clears throat> and uh, But in terms of the actual site itself, who knows? I see a chartered podcast cruise. <laughs> Your mouth to God's ears. <laughs> I, think, uh, I think more about when we see how technology has come up since we started the site and what it started out and what people can do now. I think we're going to see leaps in... Uh, what people consider social networking in the future. I think we're going to see virtual chats where people will set up a webcam and have a chat like we're having now around a round table, but through the Diz. I think that's where you're going to see a lot of things like 
leaps and bounds in technology that allow people to interact more yeah. uh, and connect more on that level. Can you believe what she was wearing? <laughs> <laughs> you got to get dressed up for chat. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> well, thank you very much for that question, Nathan. I appreciate it. Our next one comes from uh, uh, Jillian Smith who asks, if each of you had to change careers away from Disney slash travel, what would you want to do? I know. I'd be a professional oil painter. I would make a career with doing oil paintings. Wow. Yeah. Cool. Julie? Skip me. Okay. (laughs) I'll come back to me, I mean. Kathy? Probably be a photographer. Photographer? Slumlord. (laughs) <laughs> no, but you really, you, you really enjoy the, the real estate. I do. I do. You wanted to do that even before we started this business. He talked about that. I'm enjoying doing what we're doing with Dreams Villas. It kind of marries both worlds for me. Yeah. Having people come in, but also uh, make it so that it's about being on vacation and making it a special thing like that. I don't think I can own an apartment building and no. you know, rent out apartments, but I really like what we're doing with Dreams Villas. How about Villas. Being a, owning a bed and breakfast? Is that no, no. Yeah. he'd have to have people. That's in his way house. too close to people. See, that's too much interaction. Can you picture John making muffins? <laughs> no, but I could see you interacting with people. I, I like interacting with people. I also like interacting with kids, and I don't. Um, I used to teach kindergarten, and it's probably the hardest job I've ever done. I was always exhausted at the end of the day, but I probably would go back to doing something with kids. Hmm. If I wasn't doing this. If I'm going to be really, really honest, if I wasn't doing this, I would hope it would be because someone came along and bought the business and I had the money to do what I wanted and not have to work. Um, In that case, I would uh, go back to getting involved with nonprofit, some nonprofit work, and I'd want to focus on writing books. That's a Hmm. dream of mine is to be published, but I won't write a book until I have something to write. And I know I've got I know I've got a few good books in me, it's just the the connection hasn't been made yet. The connection whatever's supposed to go on in my brain that will allow me to sit down and write it hasn't happened. I think that's not gonna happen until I retire. Or until I'm not doing this because this takes you know, I, I, I put in I put in a good seventy, eighty hours a week. And, you know, this is all I do. And even when I'm not doing it, I'm thinking about it. That's when people ask me, you know, why don't you paint anymore? I wish I had the time. You know, it's that's, just, <laughs> it's, it's, it's fun, but it's, I don't have the time. I don't Making wanna... the time is, you know, because everybody says, oh, you need to make the time. Well, okay. Easier said than it's done. a lot easier said than done. This is a 24 7 operation. I think that's the biggest difference for me. This isn't a typical job. I've had jobs. Right. A job is where you get up in the morning and you go and you put in your time. You might like the, what you're doing. You might like the people you're working with. But at the end of the day, you went home and did other stuff. Right. Now, I don't have children, so I don't have that. That's not something that's in my frame of reference. So what happened after work was my time. Right. I remember when I first met John, it was a point of contention between the two of us that when I was done with work, I expected him to be done with work. Mm. And that meant going out to dinner, that meant going to a movie, that meant going any doing anything that we needed or wanted to do. And that's drastically changed for me. And 
I think it's when it stops becoming work and it just becomes part of your life that you know you're doing the right thing. Right. Well, sometimes I think that I... The right thing for you. Well, sometimes I think the the best thing I could do uh, for all of us uh, mentally, emotionally, is open an office in downtown, say to everybody, 9 to 5. 9 to 5. Yeah, the problem is we still wouldn't do it. We still wouldn't. I personally would go home and work. Yeah. I've always been that way anyway. I've always worked yeah. more hours. And I, but well, because this has become, I mean, for me, this has become a real issue that I'm... You know, I'm unable to turn off. Yeah, and yeah, it's you. it's mm-hmm. it's That's really becoming for all of it's us. becoming a problem. And you know, I, I you know, it's to figure out. You know, at some point, I don't want to wait till I stroke out or have a heart attack. Because it's in your house, you can't escape it. It's, that's the problem, is the commute is five feet. You're watching yeah. TV, you the hear problem, an email come in. The Ooh. problem is, the thing is, when you say it like that, it puts a negative spin on it. For us, we don't want to escape it. For us, it's like this obsession. I, I, I do. I, do you really? A little bit, yeah. I do. I feel How many like times have you said to me at 3 o'clock in the morning? I've been doing this. online? Yeah. Well, I, I've been doing this for 12 years. So have you. I'm not saying that somehow mine is worse than yours. Um, but, you know, I've been doing this for 12 years. And, yeah, I'm at a point in my life where I would like to be able to step back, but I won't allow it. I won't let myself. And so now then this dynamic seems to be created of, uh, uh, you know, feeling chained to it and then take some of the enjoyment out of it. And I find that when I am able to step back for a little while and go and do something and kind of just ease up, which is really what I'm hoping for in Australia, um, that when I come back, I'm just so much more relaxed and, and focused and energized, and I'm so much better at what I do. Um, I just go into these cycles of burnout, and it's just, you know, it's not healthy for me. And, you know, this is a cycle I'm in right now that, you know, I'm trying to figure out the best way for me to turn the switch off. That's, I mean, that's where we are right now. We haven't been on vacation, you know, that's been a, in a while, in a long time. And I think we're at that point where it's kind of like you have to get away and disconnect. However, I know that over this past weekend, the July 4th weekend, was a little slow. It's typically a slow weekend for us business-wise. Not as many emails come in, not as many reservation requests. However, that didn't stop me from checking email or doing the books or trying to do other things along the way. I could have easily said, you know what, Saturday's my day off and walked away and not had a big impact. It's just not the way I'm wired. Yeah. When was the last time any of us had a day off? Now, a I'm real prob- day off. I'm probably the... Julie and I are probably the ones. Julie had a day off... When she had a baby. When she had a baby. <laughs> I had a day birth. off when I had eye surgery. I laid in bed and couldn't do anything. I had a day off when I went to rehab. Yeah. <laughs> Giving birth, rehab, and eye surgery. <laughs> but other than that, there's not a day that goes by. I don't think there's five hours that go by that one of us doesn't touch a computer or an iPhone. And again, I, I don't, I hate that this, that we, we would ever put out there that but it's, it's negative. True. Yeah, it's true though. But, it's but just... you know, Kevin could easily. You see the purpose, honestly, I'm just, not to interrupt you. The purpose of doing this Facebook to Facebook was exactly this, was to have these type of discussions because I think, you know, letting people see what the other side of right. this is, is important. Yeah. We hear this all the time with people who want to be Dreams Unlimited travel agents. You have the best job in the world. You have the easiest job in the world. You sit around all day planning Disney vacations for other people until they become a Dreams Unlimited mm-hmm. travel agent. Yep. And then they look at you and they go, 
Holy moly! This is insane. Right. Well, I have my... Obviously, you know, I would like to just be able to not work and just be an advocate for Ferris and do everything that he needs, but... Um, I would want a job where I could actually maybe bring him with me or have him there, which I can do that here, but I think like a children's store where I sold clothing and books and um, maybe even had emphasized children with disabilities, you know, mm-hmm. those types of books and things. But he could be there with me. I could have a playpen or I could have whatever and any other subsequent children, you know. Obviously, I'd need to hire other people to work too, but I think that would be a dream job because there's a boutique downtown off of Orange hopscotch boutique which i love and the lady that works there brings her daughter with her some days and she has the best time she pretends to shop or she plays games on the computer or she just does all these different things you know and not that i would make my child work (laughs) but i just think it would be fun i think you should be a stage mom oh no i think you should have four more children have the martin five (laughs) force them to work oh that was a great question jillian thank you that was a Definitely not the discussion I expected to have, but um, let's change let's change uh, tone here a little bit. For Julie, did you ever have any cravings when you were pregnant with Ferris? And what was the nicest thing Corey has ever done for you? And He's that is done a from lot of uh, nice that's from Stephanie Aww. McNulty. I had cravings when Julie was pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> um, the first craving I ever had before we knew I was pregnant. I was sitting in the bathtub, and Corey was going to the store, and he's like, do you want anything? And I said, I told him I wanted Tropicana Twister Strawberry Orange Banana, if anybody remembers Tropicana Twisters. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm leaving the house. I'm going, she's got to be pregnant. She has never asked me for anything with bananas in it. Because <laughs> I don't eat bananas. I'm going up and down the aisle looking for this concoction. I'm like, where did this come from? Sure enough. Um, what did I crave? I craved Chick-fil-A. I wanted Chick-fil-A all the time. It's Walter's favorite food ever. It's my favorite fast food, but I never ate it like I did when I was pregnant. And I thought about it a lot. Um, I I don't know what else. I know what I couldn't eat. I baked chicken one day early on in my pregnancy in the oven, and the smell made me sick. To this day, I will not eat chicken baked in the oven. Wow. Like a chicken breast? I won't. Ugh. It's (laughs) funny. You know something? I, I can't equate to this, but... After I had my eye surgery, I my tastes entirely changed. Think things that I thought I would like or that I have always liked. Literally, the idea of eating it made me sick. Hmm. I one night, I forget what it was. I cut up pears and I was wrapping ham around pears, and it was the only thing I could think that I really wanted. So it's weird. The nicest thing that Corey ever did for me. Hmm. <laughs> He's like, yeah, yeah, come on. Um, I guess I would have to say when I was pregnant. I mean, he, I'm going to cry, but he was so good to me. I mean, he always is good to me, but extra special attention. I mean, you know, by if I said I wanted something, I had it, you know. Um, Noted. <laughs> <laughs> the littlest thing you know i could have said oh i need this and the next day he like brings it you know um he made sure because i worried so much like i was so afraid he was going to come early so the crib like i wanted it in like july and we had it up by october and it sat there until january with no baby 
But you were ready. Yes, but we were ready. And he understood that when I was pregnant, I am not a procrastinator in the first place, but when I was pregnant, everything, I just needed it right then, right then, right then. And he did that. You know, um, we took lots of trips so that we could spend time together. Um, That was always just incredible because now we don't get to do that as much. Mm -hmm. Um, But definitely the nicest thing he ever did for me was Ferris. Aww. That's sweet. I also love the story of your engagement. Yeah, that is that a good was, story. That was fantastic. That was very <laughs> romantic. Very, very cool. So, great. Well, thank you for that uh, question, Stephanie. Uh, let's see. Who is next? Jamie Cash asked the question for each of us. What is the next vacation spot that you have never visited or don't have any current plans to visit on your to-do lists? Now, of course, for me, uh, number one, Australia. Number two is London with a trip to Paris to see Disneyland Paris. And then I'd say number three would probably be Tokyo to go see Tokyo Disney City. Yanni? Come back to me. Wait, what was the question again? What? What uh, is the next vacation spot that you have never before visited, or don't have any current plans to visit that you want to make sure you get to? Where do you want to? Where do you want to go on vacation that you haven't been before? Oh, Japan for sure. To eat all the sushi I can possibly (laughs) put into my body. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, this has to do with his stomach. Of course. Jules? I want to go to Ireland. I knew you were going to say that. I don't know why I knew you were going to say Ireland. I do. But, wow. Any particular reason? Is um, You know, heritage-wise, you know, English-Irish is my background. So I just would really like to go over there. I've heard it's beautiful. I heard it's gorgeous. I, I do know someone who's been. It's Ferris's sign language teacher that we go to. Um she even took her son who has Down syndrome. He's five, and he had a wonderful time. So I, you know, I'm like, oh, we could take Ferris there, you know, <laughs> which I plan to take him everywhere. But um, I, I just I want to go, and every time I see a movie that's filmed there, I, I just I want to be there. Cool, Kathy. I'd like to go back to Africa with my sisters to where we used to live, and if that's not possible, to Hawaii. That was the place my dad was always trying to get stationed. And that's how we ended up in Africa, because he asked for Hawaii. So Hawaii would be where I'd want to go. Hawaii equals Africa. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So. That's the army for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Kevin? I've always said Paris. I don't know why. Ever since I was a little kid, there's something that calls me. But my answer would be I'm willing to go any place I haven't been before. I, I would love to see every place. Um... It's funny. You know what's really weird? I see pictures of Hawaii, and I think it's pretty. It's not something that holds any appeal to me. It's not something that... It's not on my list anywhere. And other people live to go there. I would love to see... I would love to drive up the California coast. I would like to see the Pacific Northwest. I'd like to see Mount Rushmore. I'd like to go any place in Europe. I can't imagine any place I wouldn't want to go. There's a thread on the Diz about what's on your bucket list. And that uh, that has a negative connotation. Yeah, I don't to me. like well, that. Yeah, but I mean, like in my case, I, yeah, I would agree with you. I would go anywhere 
I had never been before. If the opportunity presented itself, I would be there in a heartbeat. Exactly. I, that's how I feel about it. After taking a trip to Italy, I realized that I always had this sort of hesitation. Am I going to be okay out of my element? And I was. I mean, there's a lot to talk about. There's a lot that was different. But I didn't find any any real stumbling blocks. I mean, I, my idea is always, as I said, be open to it. And then you can tell other people about it and talk about it and have conversations about it. So I'm willing to go any place. I'd like to see every place. Cool. But I also can be comfortable. I Like, I can imagine myself in a chair on uh, the balcony overlooking the ocean someplace. Mm-hmm. So I like to do that, too. I think that's my problem. I don't have a place where I think I have to get there or I'll never get there. Um, there's been a lot of opportunities that have come up that I didn't expect, and I've been to places I didn't think I was going to be able to go. Not be able to go, but never thought I would go. So I just think it's all part of... The journey. The journey, what's going to happen. Well, when somebody first suggested to me going to Disney, I wanted no parts of it. And they practically had to tie me up to get me to come to Disney. I'm so glad I came. Look, I mean, where would my life be if I had never come to Disney? So, Mm -hmm. That's really changed the way I, I look at things. When I used to think about going on vacation, there was only one answer. Yeah, Disney. I want to go to Disney. And now that that's not my destination any longer, it's... It's opened up. The opportunities are endless. Mm-hmm. I would also like to do a true family vacation. Grab as many of our family members as possible. Do you want to take from, mine? From both sides and just do a trip somewhere. It doesn't have to be extravagant. Just somewhere. Family trip. I want to like take over a whole resort or something. Something. <laughs> you, know, a, a, you know, a caravan of motorhomes just... Yeah, see, I like the idea Could of... Could take the boy out of Louisiana. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea of disappearing into where I'm going. I like the idea of becoming part of where I'm going as opposed to taking that sort of comfort level with me. And it's not about being comfortable. It's because we've never done that. You know... I've done it when I was younger, but not right. with Julie and... Uh, Since we've Ferris been married. And, yeah. Cool. All right. Our final question for this very interesting uh, Facebook-to-Facebook show that we've done uh, comes to us from John Hoskins, who asked the question, if you were a candy bar, what kind would you be? (laughs) Kevin? on a really good note here. Okay, that's not something I have an answer for. Give me a second. (laughs) I knew I wanted to go to Paris. I'd be a whatchamacallit. Yes, you would. <laughs> I'd be a chunky. <laughs> I made myself laugh. <laughs> I'm full of fruits and nuts. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my Lord. Oh, my. Oh, this is going downhill fast. <laughs> I didn't think that would come out of this. John? I, I have no idea. <laughs> I'm, I'm not that creative. <laughs> I have no idea. It's like that question, what kind of tree would you be? Julie? I think I would be a Rolo. I'd be nice and hard on the outside and all creamy and soft on the inside. <laughs> Excuse me. Also, I just really like Rolos. <laughs> I'm going to check breakfast. I feel it coming up. 
I would say a mounds bar. We were talking about this before. Sometimes you feel like a nut. Sometimes you don't. So she's you know? not a nut. Yeah. Somet- sometimes I am a nut. You know, so I guess that's, that would be my candy So she bar. goes back and forth between Almond Joy and Mounds. Mm-hmm. Mine's, uh, mine would be a toss-up between uh, Reese's Peanut Butter Cup and a, a Milky Way, just because they're my two favorite candies. Mm, both good. No ethereal reason for that. I would devour you in two seconds if you were a Reese's Cup. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> Ew. You put chocolate and peanut butter together and you found heaven. <laughs> John, you can be a zero. How about that? Okay. <laughs> He's like, whatever. <laughs> the dumbest thing I've ever been involved in. I think. <laughs> Candy bar would you be? Oh. <laughs> if you were an over-the-counter medication. <laughs> I, I want to be Pepto-Bismol. <laughs> oh. I want to be a Zantec. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, you folks. could be a Beano. Then they're Beano. All right, folks. That that on that note, we're going to say goodbye. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this uh, little experiment and uh, doing this as a show replacement. Um, if you didn't like it, we won't do it again. If you did, maybe we'll do it again in the future. Oh wait, Ferris would be a baby Ruth. <laughs> <laughs> Let me play this exit music quickly and get us out of this. All right, that is going to do it for our show this week, folks. We hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back with you again next week with another episode of the Diz Unplugged. Have a great week and stay out of the damn lakes. Bye.